0: Thanks for listening to audio from North Monroe. To learn more about who we are, visit NorthMonroe.com or download the North Monroe app in the App Store or on Google Play. Now, here's this week's message. Monroe, we, uh, man, we have a great worship team. I love our teams here leading us in worship each and every week. And, and, uh, and also getting to uh, just be backstage, get to hear you. Uh, sing out, and, and it's, just an, it's just an awesome place that we have here, and, and God meets us here each and every week. I want to uh, take us to Psalm 145, if you want to go ahead and turn there this morning. I want to talk about the greatness of God, the greatness of God. Um, music is so important in, in our times of worship uh, because it, it stirs in us, as you just felt in that worship set right there to uh, To remember how great God is, in, no matter what we're going through. Um, I don't know if you've ever thought about the power that that music has in our minds. Um, so, so to demonstrate that, uh, there's a little participation that we're going to do right now. It's a little different. Uh, we're going to play a clip from a song, all right? I can't tell you what the song is yet. You'll know exactly what it is as soon as you hear it. But you've got to participate, all right, and you'll know exactly what to do, all right. So, if you don't participate, this won't work at all. So, you're going to participate, okay? Good, good. All right, here we go. Let's hear the song, touching hands, reaching out. Okay, I think you got it. Touching you. That is awesome there I should have videoed that that was good that was good okay you see what I'm talking about okay I don't know when the last time you heard that song maybe they played it last night at the ULM game but whenever it was you knew exactly what to do I didn't even I mean I had to encourage you a little bit I just didn't want it to be awkward but you knew exactly what to do and that's the power that music has it's 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 stored in that place in our brain that is easily accessed as soon as we, we hear the, the notes and, and the words come together. You, you, uh, it's just stirred up and we, we join right, right along. Uh, probably if you think back to your senior year in high school, you had a favorite song and you probably haven't heard it in a decade now, but as soon as that song comes on, you still know every word, right? every single word, because it's stored in that place in our brains that is easily accessed. Uh, and no matter how long ago it was, it, it, it's still there. It jumps up. We can still sing along. Bob Marley said this, one thing about music, when it hits you, you feel no pain. And that's true. And that's why our time in, together in worship Uh, is so important and worship through music does the same thing you can quickly recall words and the notes from songs that are meaningful to you that song we just sang better is one day i think it's at least two decades old now i remember singing it i think when i was in college and it's here we are singing it together it's kind of resurrected a little bit it's still just as impactful today as it was then and uh and that's why we you tend to hear some songs repeated uh over and over here because we want you to have these songs in, in, in stored into place in your brain that you can quickly uh, recall them when you need them. Not only that you would just know how to sing along, but these songs then become a, a source of uh, a theological understanding. They told us this in seminary. They said, look, you, you preachers, your people are going to get more theology. Uh, they're going to draw their theology more from the music than they are from the sermons that you preach. And we're like, man, those music guys, you know. And uh, so it's critical that we use music as a tool to lead you in worship, but also train your mind to think of God more accurately. And that's my goal this morning, is to paint a picture of God that is so great that, that you will have no other choice but to respond to how great he is. And I want to take you to the Psalms, like I said, Psalm 145, because the Psalms are kind of the Hebrew hymn book that we have in the Bible. And uh, David wrote this one, and uh, so this is the, the last Psalm that David writes, I think. Chronologically, I'm not sure if it was uh, the last one that he ever wrote in his whole life, but uh, it's, it's a psalm that kind of summarizes all of the other psalms that he, he wrote. Uh, scholars think this is the psalm of all psalms. And he writes this psalm in a way that uses every letter of the Hebrew alphabet in order. And so it's it's, and he does this in a few of the psalms, but it's like the ABCs of worship right here in the Bible. Psalm 145 written for us. And if you're a Hebrew scholar, I know some of you are. You're way ahead of us. You're ready to raise your hand and go, wait a second, Cody. There's a letter missing in the Hebrew alphabet in this psalm right here. I can can tell you right where it is. And you would be right. Right. You'd be right. Verse 13 and 14, apparently it skips the letter none. That's the best way I know how to say that. And um, in in the early manuscripts, actually your your Bible may have a note on it that says early manuscripts omit this second part of right there between 13 and 14. Uh, Some of the manuscripts had it, some of them didn't. It's almost like the scribes might have wanted to help us a little bit because they knew if it wasn't a perfect Uh, a hymn right here we would struggle with it we'd still be talking about it today and so they they helped us out I don't know for whatever reason I think one reason could be that on this side of heaven our worship is just not perfect it's not perfect we have great worship but we don't have perfect worship on this side of heaven maybe maybe uh, but notice in this psalm how God-centered this worship is. When I think about how great God is, our minds and my mind will never reach the end of how great he is. We never we never search the bottom of it. And you know, David, writing this psalm, he could tell some stories now about the kingship that he had, his his successes and his failures. He could tell about battles that were won, Um or about Saul and that whole dramatic thing that was going on. But here he is in Psalm 145, and he wrote about some of those things in other psalms. But here in this one, it is all about how great God is. Now, we get the feeling in these psalms that God is almost commanding us to praise Him and to worship Him. And, and I, so I was reading um, C.S. Lewis's take on this, this psalm, and he struggled with that. He's like, why would God command his people to praise him. Isn't that a little bit self-serving? Doesn't that, doesn't that, it seems out of line with his character to command his people to praise him. And here's what he uh, concluded, that our delight in anything, not just God, but anything is not complete until we express praise in it. And so I can enjoy something, but until I start telling people about it, it, that joy is not complete. Uh, When we run into a psalm like this, where God almost commands us, what he is really saying is that he wants us to enjoy him. Maybe he's less worried about commanding us to praise him and more that he wants us just to enjoy him. Um, He says fully to enjoy is to glorify In commanding us to glorify Him, God is inviting us to enjoy Him. And I think that's that's the heartbeat behind this psalm here. So let's jump into it. Verses 1 and 2 say this, I exalt you, my God the King, and bless your name forever. I will bless you every day. I will praise your name forever and ever. Now, notice this, this rhythm that he sets up for us here. Uh, he starts with this present tense, I exalt you now, right I exalt you, my God the king, and then he moves to the future. I will bless your your name. I will praise you forever and ever. And that praise word that's that's where we draw our word hallelujah from here it is right here in the Old Testament um, and and I think that's an important point that that we we move we not only exalt him and praise him in the present, but we resolve in our minds that we will praise him no matter what comes. That I will bless you forever and ever. I will bless you every day because we don't know what's coming. And so you got to resolve in your mind and you can do this. You can make up your mind right now that whatever comes, I will do this. I will praise you. I will bless your name. Um, When you do it now, it'll be a lot easier when the storm hits. He moves on, verse 3. He says, The Lord is great and is highly praised. His greatness is unsearchable. Let's hold up right there. Now, unsearchable. That doesn't mean that it's impossible to find God. That doesn't mean that we can't see Him But what it does mean is that we will never get to the end of searching everything that there is to know and to praise about God. His greatness is unsearchable. I think this is what he challenged Job with when he was walking through that season and trying to figure out why is this happening to me, God? And what is God's response in chapter 38? Where were you when I established the earth, Job? You you really want to understand this? You would have had to walk with me in the beginning when I established the earth. There's a lot going on here his greatness is unsearchable. I like how Louis Giglio paints this picture and it's really his whole sermon, but there's, there's a part of it. He he talks about the universe and how God designed the universe and put us in the Milky Way galaxy of the universe. And, and, and every time a scientist develops a, a telescope that can reach a little bit farther, we discover more and more about how great God is. But he explains in that, in that, uh, uh, sermon, he said, if the earth were the size of a golf ball, and I brought one here with me, if the earth were the size of a golf ball, our sun would be 15 feet in diameter. I think we have a picture of that to uh, throw up on the screen, just as, as a comparison. And our, screen, our, our screen's not quite big enough. We're going to have to get some new ones. We're going to put it in the budget for next year, uh, some bigger screens. But if you see here, the earth, if it was the size of a golf ball, the sun, 15 feet in diameter. Now, the crazy thing, that, that's crazy enough, okay? God's greatness is unsearchable. We don't even have the biggest star in the universe, not even close. He goes on to say that if, if the earth were the size of a golf ball and you compare it to one of the biggest ones that they found, it would be the size of Mount Everest. And here we are on this golf ball, and, and, and we're just in one little piece of it. His greatness is unsearchable. And uh, and he created you and he created me and he is aware of what's going on in my life. And, and, and then I think I'm, I'm back to one of those other psalms. Who am I? Who am I? That, uh, that God would even care about who I am. His greatness is unsearchable. Um, he goes on to say we need to share this unsearchable greatness to the next generation. Share his unsearchable greatness to the next generation. Verse 4, one generation will declare your works to the next and will proclaim your mighty acts. I will speak of your splendor and glorious majesty and your wondrous works, and they will proclaim the power of your awe-inspiring acts. I will declare of your greatness, and I will declare of your greatness. They will give a testimony of your great goodness and will joyfully sing of your righteousness. One generation declaring your works to the next. That means that their kids heard about the greatness and the goodness of God. And I think that we see this design implemented from the very beginning. Part of Adam's responsibility was to pass on how good and how great God was to his kids. And then his kids to pass that on. And we see that the fall of man happened and everything gets uh, messed up right there in the beginning. Each generation needs to hear the stories of God's faithfulness and power. And when they don't hear it, they lose the wonder of God. So parents, just real quick, parents... Tell the stories to your kids of what God has done. They need to hear it. They need to hear it. Not, only, not, not just for the purpose of them knowing, but these stories are going to build tradition in your family and help them, uh, help shape their identity as they hear the stories of what God has done. So we don't have to hide all the bad from our kids. Now, you need to use wisdom in what their little minds can understand and comprehend in this season of their life. And one day, I'm sure you'll get the chance to share what needs to be shared. Use wisdom there, but you don't have to just hide the bad just because you're struggling. You don't don't have to hide that from them. You need to share uh, to each generation the stories of God's faithfulness and power when God carries you through that season. Uh, It's going to help them, so share it with them. And that's what we want. Uh, we want them to proclaim. You see what he did there again. Uh, I will speak of your, spl- your splendor and glorious majesty and your wondrous works. They will proclaim the power of your awe-inspiring acts. So by faith, here again, I'm going to resolve. By faith, I'm going to uh, share those stories and believe that one day they are also going to join in and share those stories each generation to the next. That's what we want, really, isn't it? We want our kids and our kids' kids and our kids' 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 kids and just to keep going, to share these awesome stories of how great our God is. And this can happen when one generation declares his works to the next. My grandfather uh, did not know God for half of his life, I think. Um, He was an alcoholic and... My mom remembers the bad times. She remembers when he uh, would just kind of go missing for times, and, and they would find him somewhere down south, and he had no idea how he got there, and they'd have to go get him. It was really rough times. But she also remembers when God got a hold of his life, and he surrendered, and and how his life was changed from that point on, and he started teaching uh, his Sunday school at his church and he had his family in the church and her life was changed because of that. As, as he followed God, she followed God. She raised me in the church and as she followed God, I followed God. I'm raising my kids in the church as I follow God. I want them to follow God. You see how this happens? Four generations that, that I know, I think it goes back maybe a little bit farther than that, but four generations following God, each one declaring your works to the next generation. It's an amazing thing. But notice how he finishes that, this little part right here. And they will joyfully sing of your righteousness. Now, what does our singing look like? Is it joyful or boring? Um, Do we ever get to the end of singing about how great God is? I don't think we'll ever do it enough. And uh, as we do, that's one way that we proclaim to the next generation of His goodness and His greatness. So let's continue on. Verse 8, the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and great and faithful love. The Lord is good to everyone and His compassion rests On all he has made, all you have made will thank you, Lord. The faithful will bless you. They will speak of your glory, of the glory of your kingdom and will declare your might informing all people of your mighty acts, of the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Your rule is for all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and gracious in all his actions. We need to share about the glory of his kingdom. We need to share about it. What, what makes the glory of his kingdom so great? You know, is it, is it anything that you and I contribute to it? You know, we, we do some good stuff. We really do. Um, if, if I think about what, what I do for the kingdom, man, you know, I, I really would love it to be just this awesome thing. Yeah, but it's really not. It's really, what makes the kingdom great is the king that we serve. He is a great king. The king is what makes the kingdom great. And he is worthy to be proclaimed from kingdom to kingdom. It says he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and faithful in love. Let me ask you this. Is this the view of God that you have? One that is gracious and compassionate? Or maybe like many many people, you view God as you would maybe view your grandfather, who is who is wise and kind and gentle, but maybe you know he he's over here, and and I can go see him when I want to, and I enjoy my time with him, but then I'm over here and doing my own thing. He, he would never deny me anything that I want. You know that's that's a, that's what grandfathers do. They'll give you whatever you want. Is that how we view God? Or maybe we see him like we saw our dad, our fathers, who were maybe angry and distant and, and unreasonable. And the last thing that I want to do is to upset him or to disappoint him because there's no telling how he's going to respond. And so, so my, when I think about God in that way, fear is, is in my heart. I'm scared to death of him. Is that the view that we have of God? Because that's not what I'm reading right here in in Psalm 145. That's not the picture at all of a gracious and compassionate and slow to anger and faithful, uh, great and faithful love. This is the God who is the king of our kingdom. This is the God that we serve. A.W. Tozer says this, what comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. It's really going to determine how we respond to God. It's going to determine how we live our lives in this world. What comes into our mind uh, when we think about God, that's the most important thing about us. We want to have a correct view of God. Remember that He is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, faithful in love. He's good to everyone. There's this theme that runs through this section He keeps saying, the Lord's good to everyone. His compassion rests on all he's made. All you've made will thank you. And, and, you know, I think we kind of struggle with that a little bit. We have a hard time. Is God really good to everyone? What what about the people who don't deserve it? What about the people who who did me wrong this past week? Or that, that guy that, you know, the famous illustration that cut me off when I was driving to work this week. We struggle with this. Is God really good to everyone? And the truth is, his heart is way bigger than ours. His compassion uh, on the lost world is, is so big. And, and, and we should reflect that his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and it does not end no matter how many attempts have been made to squash it out. So if he has compassion on the lost world, so should we. And those outside of the kingdom of God need to hear of the glorious splendor that is the kingdom of God. Let's continue on verse 14. He says, the Lord helps all who fall and he raises up all who are oppressed. All eyes look to you and you give them food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. When was the last time we've shared about the way that He has provided in our life, he says the Lord, helps all who fall and raises up all who are oppressed. He doesn't want anybody to stay down like that. Anybody to to just fall and stay down. Just because you're down doesn't mean you have to stay that way. And He gives Him food at the proper time. I think there's something there, you know, because we get a little impatient sometimes. We want we want the food when we want it, right? We want God to provide in the way that we want it, in the time that we want it. But he says, you you give them their food at the proper times. Remember our Ecclesiastes study that we did? What did he say in uh, chapter 3, verse 11? He said, he has made everything beautiful in its time. Remember, there's a season for everything. So maybe our timing is not the same as God's timing, but God's timing is perfect, and He is going to give them the food at the proper time. He opens His hand and, uh, and, and satisfies the desire of every living thing. Remember the story of Abraham and Isaac. I'm sure, I'm sure Abraham, in the back of his mind, when he got that call, okay, take your son up to the mountain, you're gonna sacrifice him here. Let's just just trust me. I'm sure he was wondering about God's timing in this. It's like, God, do you understand what you're asking me? Do you understand my situation here, God? Or do you really want me to, to do this? And he didn't know that God already had a plan for salvation. Instead of his son, God provided the ram. And you and I didn't know it, but God had a plan for our salvation at the same mountain that Abraham and Isaac walked on, that God would sacrifice his own son at the same mountain years later so that you and I would have the sacrifice made for us. He said, you open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. How does he do that? I mean, what's he, what's he doing? Selling ice cream? I mean, how do you please everybody? Um, we all like different things, but I think there's one desire in every human heart. And it is to relate to the Creator. It is to understand purpose and to feel loved. And here He is. He opens His hand and satisfies that desire that all of us have deep down inside. St. Augustine said, You have made us for Yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in You. We all have that desire and he is the only one that can truly fulfill it. He says in verse 17, "The Lord is righteous in all his ways and faithful in all his acts. The Lord is near to all who call out to him, all who call out to him with integrity. He fulfills the desire, the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cries for help and saves them. The Lord guards all those who love him, but he destroys the wicked." My mouth will declare the the Lord's praise. Let everything bless his holy name forever and ever. He is a righteous king. He's a great king, and he is a righteous king. Not only is he good, he is just and right in all that he does. Now, who does he come near to? What does it say? Those with integrity, those who fear him, those who love him. And so at the end of this psalm, he's he's wrapping it up and he's saying our greatest question in life, does God really know what's going on in my life and does he really care and is he actually going to do something about it? Only the righteous king would do that. He is near to all who call out to him with integrity. He fulfills their desires. He hears their cry for help. Yes, God is very aware of what is going on in your life right now. And yes, he cares, And yes, He wants to fulfill the desires in your heart, and He guards those who loves Him, but we can't fully understand His ways. But we can trust that He is righteous, and He has proven that time and time again. And so with my mouth, I will declare His praise. And like C.S. Lewis, I will let my enjoyment in him be complete and I will resolve in my mind to praise him, as Wiersbe says, from day to day, generation to generation, nation to nation, and struggle to struggle. It's important and we, we, we need to lift up God and to praise him for his greatness. You know, it's important and, and I want to get to the end of my life and I hope you do too. I want to get to the end of your life and still be praising him. There was a lady in our church who passed away this week named Miss Tommy Lee. She was a longtime uh, member here and, and served in so many different ways. She was on the, uh, the personnel team uh, when I came in here uh, almost nine years ago. And, and so she was one of the first people I got to meet. Um, a few weeks ago, Blake and I got the chance to go visit her in the hospital, and uh, our goal was just to go there and pray for her, and, you know, if there was anything we could do, you know, we'd do it, and uh, when we walked in the room, she was having a good day, and she starts asking us about our family, you know. We're there for her, and then she turns the attention back. She's asking, you know, how are the kids, and tell me what's going on in y'all's life, and so uh, we talked to her, and then, you know, came time to pray, and and so, all right, let's pray. So I prayed for her, and, and I finished up, and she said, okay, Blake, now it's your turn to pray, to pray. So go ahead and pray for me, you know. And, uh, and then she did the most amazing thing. And, and this is after, you know, we were talking to her, and she, the whole time it's like, man, isn't God good? And, and then she prays. This, and now, get, get the picture. This is a lady towards the end of her life, the last few weeks of her life, In the hospital bed, she says, I want to pray for y'all. And she starts her prayer with, God, thank you for how good you have been. Thank you for 70 years with, with my great husband. I can't pray, and I think she's, I can't praise you enough for this at the end of her life. And for all that God had allowed her to see. And here she is today, she can see it. And her faith is made sight. And she would agree with this psalm, but his greatness is unsearchable. His kingdom is everlasting and he satisfies the desire of every living thing. And the same God calls you and me into a relationship with himself. You know, there's a, that cliche, it says you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. I, I can't make you submit to God. I can't. That's the Holy Spirit's work. But what I can do is to remind you and stir up your heart that the greatness of God will is it, uncertain. We will never get to the end of it. And I can tell you that this is the God that we serve and if you've never surrendered your life to Him, but maybe you're you're feeling that stir in your heart this morning, then that means He is calling you. And He wants you to respond to Him. So we want to give you a chance to do that. I want to pray together with you. And as I pray, I want you to pray. And thank Him for His goodness and His greatness and surrender your life to Him. Let's pray together. Father, we come before You and, and we can't praise You enough Oh, if we had time to tell all the stories of your greatness. I pray that we would share that with the next generation, each generation declaring your works to the next. God, you are a righteous, good, and holy king, and and you care. You care about us, and you're well aware of our needs, and you satisfy the desire of every living thing. So we praise you this morning, Lord. for anybody in here who needs to submit their life surrender their life to you we encourage them and we pray that they would do that this morning we thank you God for your goodness and we we commit to sharing that goodness everywhere we go we pray this in Jesus name amen we're going to sing one more verse of a song and we want to give you a chance to respond Um, our hope is that this message has encouraged you to seek Christ in your own life and make him known wherever you are. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and share it with a friend. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.